0: amana fillah dear brothers and sisters rahmatullahi we are still reeling from the uh, genocide going on in gaza And Wallahi, even though it's been going on for over five months now, I can't find the stomach to speak about anything else but, and I expect that even after there is an end to the hostilities, that we will continue and we should continue to have a discussion about this issue. This is not an issue that is passing. This is innate to the Western culture. This is a uniquely Western the whole concept of genocide and killing people in mass, this is a Western concept. If you study history, Allah told us about it in the Quran, Surah At-Tawbah, Ayah eleven. Allah says, Allah tells us when they have the upper hand, the non believers, if and when they have the upper hand, They observe no covenants, no relationships of kinship, no relation, nothing. They spare no one. These atrocities, ya are uniquely European. But before I talk about that, let me put things in perspective because a lot of people don't understand our Islamic history. Unfortunately, when we study the seerah or the history, one, especially the young people, one gets the impression that the Prophet his entire Dawah, all 23 years, was spent with a sword in his hand and he was chopping heads. The way the Seerah is written, it would give the impression that the Prophet was coming out of one battle, getting into the other battle. It was one battle after the other, after the other. There was nothing else there, no in between. And that's far from the truth. And how you know that? Just look at the number of people that were killed in the battles of the Prophet Among the believers, in the life of the Prophet all 23 years, among the believers, it is estimated that 250 shaheed martyrs. 250. Nowadays, they are killed in one day, in one battle. The entire 23 years. What about the Kafirs? There must have been a lot of Kafirs killed. No. The number of non believers that were killed, Mushrikeen, that were killed in the entire twenty three years, it's estimated to be about eleven 1, hundred. Eleven 1, hundred Allah. So why do we get the impression the way the media and the way the Westerners and the Al Mustashriqeen, the way the people who write Islamic history conveniently make it sound like our history, the history of blood and bloodshed? And that is far, far from the truth. Now, let's look by contrast at the Western history. And I'm only gonna talk about the past 100 years or so. Yeah, in the 1800s, King Leopold of Belgium, in the Congo, one small African country, killed 10 million people in Congo alone. This is just one king, one small European country, one African country. If you look at the history of Africa or the United States here, America, North America, South America, Australia, Canada, tens of millions. It is estimated hundreds of millions of indigenous people were wiped out completely to make room for the white man coming from Europe to spread civilization and iPhones and everything else.. Now, so one may wonder and say, and I myself wondered about this many years ago. Where is Allah Azza wa from all of this? Hashalillah, <laughs> Allah is there. Allah knows what they're doing. Well, tahsaban Allah ghāfilan al talimun Allah is aware of what they're doing. But uh, somebody was talking the other day and mentioned a fact that after the 10 million people were killed in Congo and many others in other places in Africa. That's, that, that carnage ended somewhere around 1914, only for the First World War to start and wipe out more than 40 million Europeans. The same perpetrators that killed people in Africa, they wound up killing themselves. Allah Azza wa Jal made them destroy each other. To be followed in, in, in the 1930s with the Second World War where 60 million Europeans were, killed each other, 100 million. So, don't think that Allah doesn't punish the perpetrators. It's just that it comes perhaps a little bit later, and we don't have the bandwidth or the memory to connect one with the other. Allah knows, but it only makes sense that the murderers, the European murderers that destroyed Africa, will pay a price in this dunya before the akhirah, and that took place. So, What is the problem here? I I don't like to give a khutbah without identifying a specific issue or problem that I like to address. And I'm still talking about the same issue that I spoke about two months ago in this masjid and in many other masjid. And that is how we as a community can make a difference for Gaza, for Kashmir, for Muslims everywhere, for Yemen, for just about everywhere. And wallahi, I look at our community and I think of ourselves as Musa in the house of Firaun. I know some people take exception. They say, oh, are you calling America the Firaun? The biggest Firaun on the face of the planet. What do you call what they're doing all over the Muslim world? Our last three presidents killed more than 10 million Muslims between Afghanistan, Iraq, and Syria, and and Yemen. 400,000 in Yemen. One million killed in Syria. What do you call all of that? So what is our duty? Our duty, I spoke in the last khutbah, and I said, it can be divided into two kinds of... um, Uh, responsibilities. Organizational responsibilities and individual responsibilities. Why do I keep talking about the organizations? Sheikh Mohammed Qatanani doesn't like me to talk about the organizations and many of my brothers in leadership think that I am criticizing. I am not. All I'm saying is that our organizations, we as individuals, you and I cannot do anything, cannot make a difference unless it's done through the organizations. In social science language, it's called organizations mediate between people and the government. In other words, the government doesn't listen to you and me. They listen to an organization. If I show up and I say, I Fulani Fulani, I represent this organization or a collection of organizations, and they authorized me to negotiate with you. And here's what we're gonna tell you Genocide Joe, we are not going to vote for you. This happened. It happened in in Pennsylvania last week and it happened in Michigan recently. If the brother who was speaking, Khalid Turani, we all know him, he was speaking on our behalf. But if we didn't authorize Khalid and the organizations that he belonged to to speak up, nobody would listen to him. He won't be on the news. Nobody will pay attention. Khalid is not speaking on his own behalf. He's speaking on your behalf and mine. That's how this country is designed. That's how the Western liberal democratic system is designed. It's designed where the individual practically has no weight and nobody gives a darn about what you think. But when you and I get together, when one of us goes and speaks on behalf of ICPC, they listen. He goes, even if it's the biggest talking head out there, the smartest person speaks on his own behalf, no one will listen. So our organizations have a major, major responsibility. And uh, to absolve them of some of the responsibility, I would say that part of that big responsibility falls on our shoulders as members of these organizations. Let me give you an example. I do strategic planning for organizations. Many organizations, when you take a look at them closely, you find that what's missing is not a strategic vision or an idea of what to do for the future. What's missing is, in in management language, called capacity. In other words, they don't have the ability to do what they want to do. They may have big vision, they may have big ideas, but they're broke, they don't have enough money. Number two, in addition to money, they don't have volunteers. These organizations need human capital and financial capital. So even if a, a masjid like ICPC has $10 million in the bank, it won't make a difference unless there are many, many, many people who are willing to say, Nahnu laha. I will take care of this, I will take care of that, in the form of volunteerism. Can't have everybody as an employee. And I will talk about this point in a minute. So our organizations ikhwet, need to build their capacity. And this word capacity appeared in the Qur'an. The word sa'a in the Qur'an refers not to power, but to capacity, the ability to do something. Uh, in the Sunnah, Muslims are encouraged to come out on the day of Eid. To give the impression that we have human capacity. So that when the non-believers see these thousands and thousands of people on the day of Eid, that that will strike terror in their heart and they would think twice before they go against our community. And I mean it in a positive way. I don't mean in a negative way, terror. I'm talking about that they would think twice before they reject our calls and they refuse to meet with us and they refuse to listen to our demands. So enough about the organizations. This requires a workshop and, and a much bigger discussion. I promised Ibrahim, inshallah, will take care of that. But I'm going to talk today, in the next few minutes, about our responsibility as individuals. And this, I'm going to use some guidance السيرة, from the seerah of the Prophet, sallallahu alaihi And specifically, I'm going to speak about al-muhajirin al-ansar. Allah عز وجل Muhajirin are the ones that migrated with Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم to Al-Madina and Ansar Al-Madina the people of Al-Madina who supported them. Allah عز وجل mentioned them in the Quran in several places but one particular ayah Awlad-bil-Hijratu wasabiquna as-sabiquna min al-muhajirin al ansar wal-ladina taba'uhum biihsan. Allah عز وجل refers to them as sabiquna sabiquna the 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 the, 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 the forerunners the the ones that showed up early in the dawa and he com- and he separated them into muhajirin and ansar. And one may ask and say, what is the difference? They're all believers. They all showed up early. They are all inshallah, in Jannah with the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam. And I beg to differ. I recently gave some uh, some deep thought to the to the difference between al-muhajirin, wal-ansar. And I'm going to try to relate to you that difference in a modern language that we can all understand al muhajirin ya listen to me carefully they were recruited by muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa you don't see the word recruit in the sirah you see the word da so abu bakr was the first one but then abu bakr went wadaa usman wa so sayyidna abu bakr continued the process of recruiting we don't use that word recruiting in, in the context of da'wah and organization building and community building because we think it's a foreign word. But in reality, to call somebody onto your path, that is a, the same meaning as the modern world uh, word of recruiting. So before we lose track of thought here, al-muhajirin they were recruits. All 144 of them that went with Muhammad But look how long it took to recruit the 144. It took 13 years of diligent work. They suffered the most. They did everything they could. Some lost their life. Like Sumayyah, and Ammar, and Yasser. But yet, at the end of 13 years, the mission was not accomplished. And here comes the second phase. Al-Ansar showed up. And notice I use the word showed up, they were not recruited. The difference between Al-Muhajiri and Al-Ansar, as I see it, my humble opinion, the main difference is that Al-Ansar showed up. They volunteered. In today's modern language, they volunteered. The first Bay'ah, they were twelve. The second bay'ah, there were 73. And there were two women. There's disagreement on whether the two women showed up in the first bay'ah or in the second bay'ah, it doesn't matter. Nus- among them, Nusaybah. And I'll talk about Nusaybah in a second. And they gave bay'ah. In the first bay'ah, it was, there was no commitment to fight. The second bay'ah was called bay'ah rijal because there was a commitment to fight and defend Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. The point I'm trying to say here is, we need to ask ourselves, and I'll ask this question again at the end of the khutbah. Are we muhajirin or ansar? If we can 50 years ago when I showed up in this country, I was a muhajir. We had no resources. We barely knew how to feed ourselves. We had no masajid. It was one single small masjid broken down in a heating system in Jersey City for those people who know 17 Park Street where Sheikh Hanuti, and before him even Sheikh Dunya used to be. That was 1979. At that time, we were more like the Muhajirin. It was all about sacrificing. Sacrificing everything. Our money, our time, our energy. We stuck together. And we arrived at this point. But ya, to keep acting as Muhajirin, we will never be able to accomplish the mission. It is time that we upgrade our membership. It is time we start acting as Ansar. I'll talk about that in a second. Akoolu kawlihade wa astaqfirullahi walek. Hamdulillah, salatu salam ala Rasulillahi wa ala alihi wa sahabihim wa man wala. I'll give you a couple of examples of what the Ansar did, so you can see how their behavior was different from the Mahjiri. Other than the fact that they showed up on their own, came to مكة. met the Prophet Fill Aqabe. Actually they met him in a place called Al aqab I'm not sure if it's the same Akaba that's in South Jordan or if it's Al Aqaba, a place near Makbeh, regardless. That's why it was called Bayatul Akaba Alula and Bayatullah Fani. Fi The Sheikh confirms that it's near Makkah, it's a place called Al Aqaba, not the city of Aqaba in the south of Jordan. That would be too far. Ya yeah, on the day of the arrival of the Prophet sallallahu Alaihi alayhi rasulillah. Allahu salli wa sallim malikeya rasulullah. On that day, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam took residence in the house of Abu Ayyub Al Ansari wa ma adraka ma Abu Ayyub Al Ansari. He was a young man, and he had a two-family house in today's language, and he had an extra apartment. And he gave the second apartment. I think he was on the second floor to Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa Fast forward, I'm not gonna give you any details of what happens for fifty-two years you can guess. He died at age at in the year fifty-two Hijri. Fifty-two years after Hijra, at the outskirts of Istanbul, which used to be called Constantinople. I visited his masjid. The place where he was buried in the heart of Istanbul is called Masjid Abu Ayyub al-Ansari. It's still there to this day. 52 years of defending this deen with the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, with the Khulafa all the way to Muawiyah ibn Abi Sufyan. He died in the army of Muawiyah ibn Abi Sufyan at the outskirts of Istanbul. Those are al-Ansar. Among them was Abu Ayyub al-Ansari. In the battle of Uhud, the battle of Uhud, إخوة, one of the battles where the Muslims took a beating, 70 shaheed. Would you like to guess how many of them were Ansar? 66 out of 70 were Ansar, only four were Muhajri, among them Hamza. Radiallahu 66 shaheed in the battle of Uhud. Hunain. In the Battle of Hunain, which, which took place a short time after the conquering of Mecca, al Ansar were the ones that tilted the scale. The, pro, the, the Muslims were defeated in the, initially. They attacked Hawazin and Thaqif, and they were looking at each other and saying, "La nughla bul yoma min cannot be defeated. There is the ten thousand that just showed up at Mecca, conquered Mecca, and then there is a Tulqa. The whole population of Mecca just joined them. This huge number going to meet Hawazin and Thaqif, two tribes. We can't be defeated. And they were defeated. What did the Prophet say? How did the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi turn the battle? Ya Mashar al-ansar. He didn't call on to the muhajirin. He called on the Ansar. He called on the Ansar. And who was there to defend him? Nusayba ibn Ka'b al-Mazaniya. The same Nusayba that showed up in Bay'at al-Aqab. The same Nusayba that took 13 bodily wounds on the day of Uhud. She took 13 stabs in Uhud, almost died. She took stabs in Hunayn. She fought with Abu Bakr, she fought with Khalid in the, in the battle of Yamama, and in the battle of Yamama she took 12 stab wounds. That is Nusayba. Those are our sisters that supported Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi We talk about the seerah if it, it was a paternal seerah, that it was only men, and yet, Dig a little deeper and you'll see the roles of the Sahabiyat, Muhajirat and Ansariyat. In conclusion, I like to raise the question again. Are we going to continue to behave like Muhajirin or are we going to be Ansar? Ya if we are going to help our brothers and sisters around the world, we have to start behaving like Ansar. We cannot, the difference, is that if you continue to be a muhajir, you are busy with yourself, you're trying to survive, and you're waiting for somebody to say, come join us. If you are an Ansari, you take inventory. You look at yourself and say, what can I do? What is my personal capacity? How can I volunteer? How can I advance the cause of Islam? I would come to the management, to Ibrahim and Sheikh and say, Ya Sheikh. استعملني على خزائن الأرض إني حفيظ عليم. in the language of سيدنا يوسف. people misunderstand. they think that Yusuf was asking for leadership. he was asking for a job. there's a misunderstanding. people think that if you ask to do something, that you're looking for leadership. and there's a hadith that says إن على والدها الأمر من من طلبه أو حرص عليه. so uh, take aside. we're not gonna ask you to do anything. There's a difference between asking for leadership which honors you and makes you a bigger name and between offering to provide whatever skills you have that can advance the cause of Islam. And that's what Sayyidina Yusuf was asking for. اجعلني على خزائن الارض. Why? He qualified himself. in حفيدن عليم. I hope and pray to Allah جل, that among you there is a حفيدن عليم who will step forward and say, Ya yeah, Masjid, Ya Ma- yeah, Masjidi, Ya yeah, Wafa House, all of these organizations, Ya yeah, need volunteers. And you and I, every single one of us can donate time and energy, money, we can donate something. We can behave like an Ansar, and we can continue to behave like Muhajirin, and at the end of the day say, Ya yeah, Allah, why isn't the Nasser here? إن تنصر الله ينصركم ويثبت أقدامكم أقول قولي هذا وأستغفر الله العظيم لي ولكم في فوز المستغفين اللهم انصر الإسلام وأعز المسلمين وعلي فضلك كلمة الحق والدين وافقنا لما تعبوا وترضاه يا رب العالمين اللهم يا ربي من أراد الإسلام المسلمين خيرا فوفقه إلى كل خير ومن أراد بالإسلام المسلمين سوءا فخذه أخذ عزيز مكتدر عباد الله إن الله يعمر بالعدل والإحسان ويتائد القربة وينهى عن الفحشاء والمنكر والبغي يعظكم لعلكم تذكرون اذكروا الله يذكركم واستغفروه يغفر لكم واكم الصلاة
1: الله أكبر الله أكبر أشهد أن لا إله إلا الله أشهد أن محمدا رسول الله حي على الصلاة حي على الفلاح قد قامت الصلاة قد قامت الصلاة الله أكبر الله أكبر لا إله إلا الله استوى يرحمكم الله وَيُؤْثِرُونَ عَلَىٰ أَنفُسِهِمْ وَيُؤْثِرُونَ عَلَىٰ أَنفُسِهِمْ وَلَوْ كَانَ بِهِمْ خَصَاصَةٌ وَمَن يُوقَ شُحَّ نَفْسِهِ فَأُولَٰئِكَ هُمُ اهدنا الصراط المستقيم، صراط الذين أنعمت عليهم غير المغضوب عليهم ولا الضالين والذين إن رب إنك لرؤوف رحيم ألم تر إلى الذين نافقوا يقولون لإخوانهم الذين كفروا من أهل الكتاب لئن أخرجتم لنخرجن معكم ولا نطيع فيكم أحدا أبدا وَإِنْ قُوتِلْتُمْ لَنَنْصُرَنَّكُمْ وَاللَّهُ يَشْهَدُ إِنَّهُمْ لَكَاذِبُونَ الله أكبر الله أكبر السلام عليكم wa الله السلام عليكم wa الله جزاكم الله خير very important message which related to the khutbah Masha'Allah, Jazakallah Allah khair abu Masha'Allah. we need to be as one community, to come together we have town hall meeting so i want everybody to come and to to share with the leadership of the masjid with the brother Ibrahim and with the executive committee to share ideas suggestions and so on so this is the meaning of how to empower our organizations and to be a part of it so we are not against against talking about organizations but we want to know how to talk about organizations to empower organizations not to destroy our organizations like some people especially the masjid, and we don't want to generalize to say all the masjids are so and so. And almost no, alhamdulillah, we have very active masjids. Alhamdulillah, your masjid is a department. Alhamdulillah, so we have alhamdulillah to say we want to work together. And alhamdulillah, we have coalition, coalition for the masjid, especially for the issue of Gaza. May Allah bless our brothers coming together, spreading the word, coming uh, insha'Allah sending the message for. The president and so on. So we have the town hall meeting. When it will be? Do you know when? If you don't know, it means that you don't receive the be- the weekly post and the message from the masjid, and you don't follow up with the masjid. So please be sure that you receive the weekly post every Wednesday, sometimes Thursday, Thursday, sometimes Tuesday. The weekly post talking about all the activities of the masjid. So we have town hall meeting. This week, when Wednesday, inshallah, jazakumulloh khair. So this Wednesday, inshallah, everybody, huh? Monday, Allah fitah halik. So because Muhammad came last Monday, he thought that it was last Monday. So it is this Monday, Muhammad. So inshallah, this Monday we have town hall meeting. We want everybody to come to talk with the leadership of the masjid to give ideas and suggestions and criticism and so on so we want to work together barakallahu feekum wa jazakumul khair at what time it is at 6 ya rajul mish is it barakallahu feekum one second please ah uh? 6 6 jazakumul khair heya